Well, Dante's Purgatory. Sorry, I've forgotten to bring light into the room. I apologise. Thank you, Stephen, for reminding me. You can, you can do a bit of censoring at that. <laughs> um, Dante's Purgatory, Cantos 1 and 2. Introduction. I would like to start with thoughts written by Father David Campbell for the Society of St. John the Evangelist, or the Cowley Fathers, as they're sometimes called. The reason why I look forward to death is quite simply because I will then meet Jesus Christ, my Judge and Saviour, whom I promised a great many years ago to follow to the end. Most of the time I have been pretty, a pretty hopeless follower, but have managed through the grace of God not to give up following completely. I have usually felt that I can only see Christ as through a dark glass, and there are periods when the glass is so dirty that I cannot see him at all. This experience of utter darkness is simply part of the training, the purification, the purgatory that following Christ involves. When I die, I shall no longer see Christ through a glass darkly, but I shall see him face to face. I shall meet him as my judge, and that means I shall not only see him but I shall see him as he sees me. This experience will be the final purgatory to enable me to pass into heaven. For the judge is the saviour who has cleansed me from the dirt of all my sin. So I eagerly await death when I will simultaneously be purified and made fit to enter the gate of heaven where I, will, where I will join the countless host of angels, archangels and all the company of heaven in the perpetual worship of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. These moving and profound words indicate in a nutshell what Dante's work is about. It is about judgment and salvation. It is about knowing Christ and knowing ourselves as he sees us. It is also about life and death and how we should relate to these two mysteries now and unto the moment of dying. Where is that quote from? Quotation came from a newsletter of the Society of St. John the Evangelist, but I'm unable to trace the number of the year or its or publication. It must be about eight years ago. I'm sorry I can't help you more than that. I had cut it out and stuck it in my notebook. At the heart of this is Dante's concern with the regaining of paradise after the loss due to worldly cares of our first encounter with the Lord God the epiphany of his glory, his burning bush, the Beatrician vision, in whatever form 
it has been given to us to behold. This we, we may compare to Traherne's forgetting to see the orient and immortal wheat which should never be reaped nor even sown. Traherne writes with such passion concerning his regaining of the vision. Eternity was manifest in the light of day and something infinite behind everything appeared. And the third meditation of the third century concludes. So that with much ado I was corrupted and made to learn the dirty devices of this world which I now unlearn and become, as it were, a little child again that I may enter the kingdom of God. Dante and Traherne are at the heart of the mystery of the Christian life. They know that we all stray like lost sheep and are too, and too easily eat the husks rejected by the swine. The directness of their work helps to throw light on many other writers who in turn reflect the light of insight and so become friends helping our understanding. It is like being introduced to one's true family. Next heading is the Divine Comedy's Threefold Structure. <coughs> the threefold structure of the Commedia echoes, for example, structures of thoughts which were already to be found in New Testament times. For example, Philo of Alexandra, about 20 years BC and dying about 50 years AD. Philo of Alexandra stressed that there were three stages in the quest for God. The conversion to pure religion, self-knowledge and the knowledge of God. Origin, circa 185 to circa 254, rights of the soul, coming out of Egypt Egypt, and crossing the Red Sea, by which he means our true conversion. You remember Dante, in his letter to Cangrande de la Scala, quotes exactly the same psalm. Next he said, there is the wandering of the deserts and the fighting of battles as we look for wells to quench our thought, our thirst. Sorry. And then, only thirdly, is the soul's ascent to God. Every stage for origin is of necessity full of joy as we respond to our, recall, to our calling. These three stages he associated with three books of the Old Testament. These are the book of Proverbs, which teaches the basis of moral science, Ecclesiastes, which teaches us to distinguish between vanity and the abiding, and the Song of Songs, which owing to its account of the love of the bridegroom and the bride, instills in the soul the love of things heavenly and divine. St. Gregory of Nyssa, circa 330 to circa 395, likewise writes 
in his life of Moses of three stages. These he calls the light, the cloud, the darkness. The first is when the soul turns from false reality to God and is filled with light. The second is when the soul climbs Mount Sinai and enters the cloud. This ascent consequently purifies the soul from the vanity of the world and learns to see created things as a manifestation of God's glory. This beholding of the glory is the stage of Platonic Theoria, that is, the contemplation of archetypes, the logikoi or logoi. The third stage is the entry into the divine into the darkness of Mount Sinai. For, and I quote, the true vision and the true knowledge of what we seek consists precisely in not seeing. For no man has seen God at any time. The soul is now wounded by love and ever reaches out, epictasis, reaching out to God, who is by definition infinite. The knowing is that of the encounter between the bride and the bridegroom, so intimate that it is veiled, hidden, a darkness of unknowing of all that we thought we had known. This is, of course, truly biblical. For example, consider the book of Hosea or the Song of Songs. I am sure you can now see how Dante stands in this tradition dating back to New Testament times and beyond those times. Indeed, the tradition may be said to go back across the ages. And so we may say with the Holy Father's blessings that the journey down and through hell rep represents our total conversion to the Lord God. Purgatory is the time of repentance and inner growth, a relearning through right intention, whilst paradise is the instilling within the soul of the deep love of beauty, the beauty of the divine through right contemplation. Dante's particular gift is, as Charles Williams emphasised, the teaching of the way of affirming of images and symbols as a scaffolding, enabling the inner building of the soul's true abode. However, this great master of affirmation, of affirmations ultimately concurs with St Gregory of Nyssa and St. Dionysius the Areopagite, for the Commedia finishes with the poet being smitten with unknowing, his imagination eventually extinguished by the light. Remember that this light is hidden in the darkness, or the cloud of unknowing. Thus the great poem concludes with the transcending of the imaginative power but with the will and desire of the blessed soul revolving like a well-balanced wheel around, I quote, the love which moves the sun and other stars.
the very last words of the Paradiso. Therefore, just as hell applies directly to us here and now, so does purgatory, and so does paradise. But before gaining the total joy of paradise, we first have to make the effort to regain the garden of earthly innocence. In this great challenge, I suggest to you that both Dante and Traherne are master teachers. Canto 1 At last we have emerged from the underworld to see the beauty of the stars and eventually the brilliance of the sun. We have reached the second realm where human spirit pur spirits purge themselves and train to leap up into celestial joy. E canterò di quel secondo regno dove l'umano spirito si purga e salire al ciel diventa degno. Canto 1, lines 4 to 7. It is 5 a.m. on Easter Sunday, 1300, and Dante is meditating on his life and salvation in the light of the liturgical celebration of the Paschal Mysteries. Thus climbing out of the underworld is like climbing out of the tomb at the general resurrection. Beauty is all around him. He experiences joy, that quality of the Christian life so dear to origin. Next, a few notes on Dante's use of the symbolism of the cave. Dante's imagery is profound and draws on ancient imagery. It was once imagined that the souls coming into this world entered a cave to emerge in the cold of the north, symbolizing the forgetting of the true imaginative and intellectual worlds. The return consisted in following the cave back to its exit in the south and the warmth of the sun. Consider the following example. The northern portal of Chartres Cathedral is cold and damp. It represents the Old Testament. We enter to walk into the cave of the cathedral with all the Christian mysteries all around us, resplendent in the stained glass windows and above all in the sanctuary, the altar, the one true and only sacrifice. We exit the south portal into the light of the sun, surrounded with statues of Christ and all the company of the New Testament sending us on our way. Before coming to Dante's imagery, I think of two examples in Western art which used the symbol of the cave with its northern and southern exits. One is in a painting by Botticelli, made after he had rejected the Neoplatonism of the Medicis due to the preaching of Savonarola. Consider the so-called mystical nativity in the National Gallery, London. It often turns off as a Christmas card. 
The painting dates from the period towards the end of the artist's life when he was working on illustrating the Divine Comedy. It's said also that um, Botticelli wrote uh, a commentary on the Inferno, but it's lost. One may observe that the artist has rejected the formulas of perspective and has attempted to return to a, the non-perspective view of traditional iconography. That is, the manner of painting by which we learn to see with the eye of the heart rather than with the eye, our external eyes. The picture symbolism is imbued with themes taken from Dante. Our Lady and her Holy Child are presumably at the south side of the cave where the angels dance and cast the devils back to their underworld. The light that lights every soul to come into this world is incarnate and he is, in Botticelli's symbolism, our true son. S-U-N. Note that in the painting we can see through the cave to Dante's dark wood on the northerly side. Botticelli's inscription at the top of the painting notes that when Christ is born in our hearts, the angels are victorious and chase Lucifer's agents back into the abyss. You can see the angels in the painting actually chasing the devils. I think there's seven of them being chased underground. There was a great um, um, re-emergence of Dante studies during um, Botticelli's period. And as um, Vasari tells us, he was a persona sophisticati. He was an intelligent fellow, uh, an intellectual. And um, that certainly comes through in his painting. The other example is William Blake's Sea of Time and Space, or Ulysses returning to Ithaca, known also as the Arlington Court Tempera. The painting, as Kathleen Rain has pointed out, is based on Porphyry's The Cave of the Nymphs, which is the classical source of the imagery, but which could not have been known to Dante, who was working through the oral tradition handed down over the generations. Now let us reconsider Dante's imagery. Lost in the dark wood in the northern hemisphere, he is forced to descend into the abyss, the cave where the prisoners are held bound by their own self-deluding illusions, which have been the cause of their sins. Though Dante did not know the Republic, Plato's imagery is enhanced the deep significance of the Commedia. For example, the pilgrim soul cannot find the abyss or deep cave, the sanctuary as known in Chartres Cathedral. He has lost the good of his intellect, and through the ministry of Virgil, he has to learn how to regain the good that he has squandered. Only thus will he be able to make his total conversion away from from sin.
his subterranean journey through the abyss. And abyss, interesting, St. Augustine um, describes the self is an, as an abyss. Emer his, his journey through the abyss emerges in the southern hemisphere. At last they rejoice in the light of the stars and the first glimmerings of dawn. The true sun, S-U-N, of our intellect, through which the pilgrim soul will be gradually transfigured. The imagery of the cave also recalls the tomb and our Lord's warning that unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3, verse 3. This too amplifies Dante's imagery. The poet descended into hell to be born again. With purgatory, his new life begins. He is to learn to see the kingdom as promised by our Lord all about him. The next heading <coughs> is the Cardinal Virtues and Cato of Utica. The planet Venus, Che d'amor conforta, 119, shines in the eastern sky. The imagery is obvious. Love fills the heavens. Four stars also glisten, representing the four classical virtues, fortitude, temperance, prudence and justice. Here Dante wishes to emphasise that natural morality is the ground upon which Mount Purgatory rests to rise up to the heavens above. These virtues are cardinal because morality hinges and turns on them Cardo means a hinge. The poets meet close at hand an old man with looks of great reverence. His face shines with the light radiating from the stars representing the cardinal virtues. Interpreted, this implies that the first steps taken on the island of the southern hemisphere have to be taken through commitment to these four roots of natural morality. Who is this old man? We might have expected an angel, St Nicholas or our patron saint. We are surprised to learn that it is Cato of Utica who lived about 95 to 46 BC. A pagan soul from Dante's limbo. The more we read um, um, the Divine Comedy, you'll see that uh, the concept of limbo uh, uh, with the great philosophers and thinkers of old, it, it must not be taken literally. Uh, uh, there's some marvellous surprises when we get to the Paradiso. Matters become a little clearer when we learn that the Romans and the Middle Ages took Cato as the epitome of moral virtue. Therefore, we can say that the natural moral virtues guard the isle from which the mountain rises. Here there is no heretical misunderstanding of the nature of 
grace. Our conversion or metanoia, our turning, does not permit us to behave like a crazy sect of Anabaptists. Grace does not remove us from our body and nature, but redeems them and calls them to perfection. Dante is emphasizing that in the new life, the cooperation of our will is essential, for we are all created in the image of God and must grow through grace upon grace into his likeness. This sequence on the cardinal virtues and Cato Utica is actually a development of chapters 26 and 27 in the Convivio. And the Convivio in many places relates to the Purgatorio. Note that Cato has none of the, none of the qualities of grace and courtesy that the souls on the cornices of purgatory have. He represents the moral imperative. He is grounded in a sense of duty for both our neighbour and for society's sake. The teaching is we cannot escape the prompting of our conscience except at our own peril. If we have been called to the Christian life, then we must learn that our Lord did not come to destroy the good of the past, but to fulfil it. He lifts humanity up to a new octave of consciousness, a new beginning which denies nothing of the good of the old. Note that after having met in hell the tormented soul of Pierre de la Vigne, um, you remember the in the wood of the suicides, Cato, who had supported Pompey's ill-fated battles, committed suicide after Caesar's defeat of Metellius Scipio, rather than make terms with the victor. His action, that is Cato's, uh, was typical of classical Stoic virtue. Pierre de la Vigne's suicide was, on the other hand, done out of self-pity. And furthermore, as a Christian, he was under the law of grace, whereas Cato, according to the symbolism of, of, of the comedy, was not. Purgatory is that state of soul where natural virtues of old, which no one may escape, are gradually set in a Christian context, purified and strengthened by grace. The courtesy, the agape, found on Mount Purgatory is the fruit of grace. All this said, it is remarkable that Cato is the first guardian of purgatory. He has been delivered from limbo, he is both a suicide and a pagan, yet he is ultimately destined to go to heaven. In hell we saw Caesar's traitors and assass assassins being mercilessly ground up in two of Lucifer's three mouths. Yet here is an opponent of Caesar guarding purgatory. What does this signify? Here we have not the space or time to give a re resume of Dante's demonachia, but sufficient to say 
that Dante reconciled true moral freedom to his understanding of the monarch and his rule. A peace-loving ruler will ensure the moral and political liberty by which his subjects alone may learn true humanity and active citizenship, according to Dante. Cato thus represents Dante's great ideal of liberty. Such liberty is freedom of the will, which is only achieved through purgation. For once purified from wrong love, evil, the soul will choose to love God and his commandments and laws. Note that Cato lived in the Roman Empire when power was moving from the people to despots. Ideal freedom on the political level therefore reconciles republicanism, that is the political structure of the 14th century Italian cities such as Florence with the monarch's rule, who is the custodian of justice. That is justice as a divine attribute, and this is amply made clear in the Paradisum. This episode, I'm sorry, I, my eyes have jumped the line. Um, Dante is next told to, to cleanse his hell. The abyss has smeared his face and to cleanse it in the early morning dew. Remember that the face is considered by Dante as the reflection of the soul within. The eyes which Dante are also, is also told to wash are understood as the mirror of the soul through which the spiritelli of love, born in the heart, pass through to pierce the beloved's inner life. As, da as Dorothy Sayers notes, a penitent's first duty is cheerfulness, again reminding us of Origen's insight. Wallowing in self-pity and self-reproach is a form of egoism. Joy is emphatically the hallmark of the new life. This episode of the first canto of the Purgatorio made a great impact on Italian literature. Perhaps the finest example is to be find in, found in Tasso's Gerusalemme Liberata, Canto 18, lines 77 to 110. Rinaldo, the Christian knight, climbs the Mount of Olives and confesses his sins. He had uh, previously been beguiled and seduced by the witch Armida. As he kneels in prayer, the morning dew scatters its blessings on his head. In both Dante's and Tasso's episodes, the human face regains its beauty after the disfigurement of sin. This is possible because, to use St. Gregory of Nyssa's imagery, the mirror of the soul is once more turned towards the divine archetypes, the stars, in Dante's imagery. Life becomes filled with the recognition of the creation as sacrament. The mirror of the soul becomes increasingly unclouded, ever reflecting more clearly the divine light. 
please note once more that from here on, Dante teaches the mystery of the Christian's gradual and ever-increasing participation in the light of the Transfiguration, the Shekinah, as the Jews called the light, the presence of God with us. Finally, Virgil, the good of the intellect, plucks a reed from the shawl and girds Dante with it. Having rid himself of his fraudulent rope girdle whilst in hell in order to summon up the equally fraudulent monster Gorion of many faces from the lower depths of the Malibolge, he is now girded with a new girdle, the reed of humility. In ancient times, neophytes were also given reeds before they descended into the caves in order to be initiated into the mysteries. In the Christian West, the faithful are still given palms on the Sunday commemorating our Lord's entrance into Jerusalem. There follows then the final two great weeks of Lent, known as Passiontide, during which the faithful participate with ever-increasing intensity in the mysteries of their redemption eventually renewing their baptismal vows and witnessing the light of the new fire. The giving of the palms, which the faithful then take home, comes from this ancient Greek practice. In the tradition of the West, these are kept until Shrove Tuesday of the following year, when they are given back to the priest who burns them in order to make the ashes for the imposition on the following day, thus thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. The, 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 uh, Dante's been through the experience of the lighting of the new fire, um, ideally, as he went through hell and regained the light of, um, of the stars and the, the dawn, the early dawn. <coughs> Canto 2. The sun is rising, and that especial light of dawn gradually fills the sky. Light is conquering darkness. The colours about Dante and Virgil, as noted by Goethe in his theories of colours, are akin to looking through a prism. All things for a brief moment in time scintillate with the hues of the rainbow the symbol of God's covenant with man. As if to emphasize the magic of the moment, Dante writes a tetsina of great beauty. Noi eravam lunghesso mare ancora, come gente che pensa al suo cammino, che va col cor e corpo di mora. Add two lines 10 to 12. And still we stood beside the sea alone, like travellers uncertain of the way, whose bodies linger while the heart hires on. Though Virgil is still Dante's guide, he is a stranger to this new land. The good of the intellect needs enlightenment. Virgil needs to know better the ministry of the angelic 
intelligences. Note also that Mars, the ruddy planet, glows in the sky. Dante longs to see it again, and so he shall, for in the Paradiso he will ascend to the planet itself and learn the cause of its redness. It's the heaven of the martyrs. Like the orthodox calendar of that, that of the early Western Church also commemorated many, many martyrs. And truly the church was established through the blood of the martyrs. It is sufficient to study the saints of our own land to recognise how many martyrs are the stones, figuratively speaking, upon which the church in this land was built. This is a difficult concept for moderns to grasp. My reading of the Synactrion, that is, the lives of the saints, has taught me that the martyrs won for us a fundamental right which our civilization adheres to, that of not being forced to bow down and worship the idols of this world. We owe to them our freedom. Far more blood was shed in the Marxist revolution than during the days of the Roman persecutions. And yet the church in Russia has emerged triumphant, whilst communism has trembled. Remember, it is Easter Sunday, and at last Dante is on the true and abiding first steps of his journey. Figuratively, our Lord and Saviour has just risen from the tomb. What happens in the text? The moment is intense as it is, in, as it is meaningful. The next heading is the ship of souls. The angelic ship or ark arrives at the shore. How this heavenly bark contrasts to that of Caronte and the crossing of the Acheron transporting souls downwards to perdition. This journey takes souls to the place where Ascent begins. No ore thumps the souls so as to pack in a maximum load. Here the angelic wings themselves are the sails, blown along presumably by the breath of the Holy Spirit. We hear no wailing, blaspheming or shouts of anger, but rather the singing of Psalm 114, which celebrates the chosen people crossing the Red Sea as Pharaoh and his hosts floundered and were lost. Symbolism is obvious. And once again we record Dante's all-important letter to Can Grande de la Scala of Verona, in which he provides the reader the psalm's four levels of meaning. The angelic boat's passengers are the souls of the newly dead. And what follows as the souls of the faithful disembark is a display of that peculiar Christian virtue of love, that unique mingling of grace and eros, or eros, sorry, I mispronounced my Greek, with, and here words easily fail. The Italians would say, un non so che, I don't know what. 
it is, of course, on reflection, the being made part of the mystical body through the partaking of the Eucharistic mysteries, and therefore is the fulfilling of love on all its manifold dimensions. Here, philia, philosophia, and sterge, the love of parents and the family, are as much of the whole as agape and eros, the four loves, as C.S. Lewis called them, are bound in one total expression of the soul. The next heading is Casella and his song. Dante sees the soul of his friend Casella, a musician who once sang his verses, one who had shared the ambience of the Dolci Stilnovisti, the group of intellectuals to which Dante belonged. Like a good orthodox soul, Casella rushes forward to embrace Dante, who returns the fraternal greeting. His arms pass through Casella's presence, for Dante stands before his friend in his flesh. Dante longs to return to the sacred isle and to climb its mount free of his mortal bonds. To have reached purgatory for Dante is to have reached paradise and seeing the seeing of the kingdom. He would argue that purgatory is the necessary accustoming of the eyes to the splendour of the glory now all about us and which awaits us infinitely magnified after death. So great is their joy that Dante asks Sella to sing for music heals and quietens the soul. L'amoroso canto che solea queta tutte mie voglie, the song of love which used to quiet me all my longings, canto 2, lines 107 to 8. There was no music in hell, just cacophony. The first steps in the realm of the saved are celebrated with the sound the sound that is healing. Just as the sun in this world calls life from the earth, so does the divine life call life from the angelic intelligences. And this, according to Dante, as we shall see in the in the Paradiso, is the la- is the substance of music, divine melody, harmony and rhythm. Our music making is only but a fair echo of theirs, that is the angelic intelligences. Just as the sun calls forth the growth of plants in logarithmic spirals of growth with which a knowledge, the science of music, of music's proportions, so does music call forth in us the angelic worlds, granting consolation and healing. Music is the hallmark of paradise and is already present in purgatory. Casella's music-making is a magic moment, for it acknowledges our deep need of music. It's like a jar full of vitamins for the soul's well-being. 
The song he chooses is the setting of an ode that prefaces the third treatise of the Convivio. Amor che nella mente mi ragiona della mia donna disiosamente muove cose di lei meco sovente che l'intelletto sovresse disvia. Love that discourses to me in my mind yearningly of my lady moves often things within me concerning her that my intellect loses its way concerning them. And the ode goes on. Lo suo parlar si dolcemente sona che l'anima ascolta e che lo sente dice o me lassa ch'io non son possente di dire quel codo della mia donna. His discourse sounds so sweetly that the soul which hears him and feels him cries out, Ah, I have not the power to utter that which I hear concerning my lady. Casella's song leads us into deep waters. Dante is quoting from the Convivio. The Convivio or Banquet is an unfinished work, as we saw in the introduction, begun uh, to, to the beginning of the term, just after the poet's exile. According to Dante, it is a commentary on poems for those bowed down by domestic and civic care, being never far away from the Augustinian ideal that all writing is confessional. The convivial is a search for order after betrayal, the reconstruction of a persona and of a psychology shattered by the course of events. Dante took counsel from the crumbs offered him by the writings of the philosophers. He began his great work of reconciling Plato with Aristotle, a task which he was to bring to fulfilment in the Commedia. If I just may make an aside there, the reconciliation of Plato and Aristotle, a challenge uh, begun by Dante, may be said to come to a climax in the thought of Pico della Mirandola, and is beautifully illustrated in Raphael's School of Athens in the Stanze della Segnatura of the Vatican. In Dante, it is symbolized by St. Bonaventura, the Platonist, standing side by side with St. Thomas Aquinas, the Aristotelian, in the heaven of the Son of Paradise. Raphael's painting, you'll know, remember uh, Plato standing next to Aristotle. Plato has his hand pointing upwards to the heavens and um, Aristotle is placing his hand forwards uh, on, the, um, on the horizontal level. There in paradise he was to find that Christ fulfilled the aspirations of both philosophers in a new mode, that of high theology. Whilst writing the Convivio, Dante was deeply influenced by Boethius, the consolation of philosophy. 
in that fundamental work, Boethius is comforted as he waits in prison um, before his death by lady philosophy. The convivio could not be finished, for Beatrice is there interpreted as philosophy, and her personal presence is absent. The book reflects the complexity of the poet's spirituality of the so-called middle period. Dante was still desperately trying to understand the meaning of his vision granted in 1300. The ode from which we have quoted goes on to show how the created world is contained within the pure and limitless spirituality of the Logos. Beatrice had developed in his mind from the inexplicable first meeting, the epiphany of God radiating from a young girl, to the world of courtly love. Then she had moved on in his mind to mirror philosophy with all its meaning. But that was not enough. Beatrice had to reveal to Dante the profundity of genuine theology, even the sacramental principle itself. Here we have a curious way of reflection on the four levels of meaning. The literalness of the original epiphany, the allegorical world of courtly love, the ethical world of philosophy, and the anagogical world of theology and the union of the soul with its creator. But with the convivio, Dante was at a very important stage of understanding. He was very much working out his salvation with fear and trembling, in the Pauline sense. We have to understand why Casella sings this particular ode to him at this stage. It is fundamental for our understanding of purgatory's meaning. The third treatise is the finest of the convivial's form. Its subject is love. Dante sets out by saying that in the Godhead there can be nothing other than the love of wisdom. Consequently, wisdom, as understood by Solomon, the prophets, and genuine philosophers must fill the whole creation. Since God is love, true wisdom must be love. Therefore, to love philosophy is to love love. It is to be involved in the timeless and all-knowing love of its author and principle. Dante draws on St. Augustine, and stresses that there is a weight or gravity, a natural inclination of all things towards their proper good. Plants love vegetatively, animals love sensitively. Man loves in both these ways and intellectually with the exigencies of the, exegesis of the soul, of his soul, and is thus that he forms an amistà and sapienza, a friendship to understanding, which is wisdom. 
Such love fills the soul with truth and joy, for love is both known and experienced. Thus, following St. Augustine, Dante insists that the strongest desire of anything, because it is implanted by nature, is to return to its source. Since God is the source of the soul, it is, in a sense, like its creator. This is why the soul above all things longs to return to God. It is joyful only when it undertakes its return. There is a corollary. If God is wisdom and the love of wisdom true philosophy, then man is a participant, a second order philosopher. For God alone is the philosopher par excellence. Let Dante explain. Philosophy, this is taken from the Convivio book, um, three, um, section 12, lines 12 to 13. Um, philosophy is a loving exercise of wisdom, exercise of wisdom. And this exists supremely in God, since in him the highest wisdom and the highest love and the highest actuality, which may not be elsewhere, save in so far as it proceeds through him. The divine philosophy then is of the divine essence, because in him naught may be added to his essence. And she is the most noble, because the divine essence is most noble. And she is in him in perfect and true fashion, as though in eternal wedlock. Thus, through contemplation, we are drawn into a new order, that is, the experience of eternity. True philosophy, wisdom, constitutes the means of our homecoming. Such are just a few of the crumbs that Dante has gleaned from beneath the banqueting table of wisdom's philosophers. We can now return to Dante's meeting with Casella on the shore from which rises Mount Purgatory. Both men acknowledge the philosophy or better wisdom for the true nature of philosophy is so easily misunderstood in our times which has brought them to the next stage on their journey. They rejoice in their mutual embrace. Cato returns to accuse them of dawdling and tells them to get on with the task at hand. The concluding three tetsinas show how Dante has taken the image of doves used in Canto V of the Inferno to portray the, adult the adulterous love of Paolo and Francesca and totally transform the significance of the bird's flight. It's a magnificent touch of a great poet's pen. I'll read in Italian, then I'll read it in English. Come quando cogliendo piado l'olio, li colombi adunate alla pastura, 
chiedi senza mostrare l'usato orgoglio se cosa pare ondelli abbian paura subitamente lasciano star l'esca perché assalti son da maggior cura così vidio quella magnada fresca lasciarlo canto e fuggire ve la costa come om che va ne sa dove riesca nella nostra partita fu mentosta Canto 2, lines 124-133. Dorothy says translates as follows. Like as when pigeons gather on the tilth to make a goodly feast of wheat and or tares, their pounding pride put by a commonwealth of peaceful industry if aught appears to scare them. Off they go and quit their feeding, driven by pressure of more urgent cares. So breaking from the song, I saw them heading towards the slope, the newfound company, like men who speed, not know, nor know to what they're speeding. And we went too, and no less hastily. In conclusion, the first two cantos have taught us that Mount Purgatory rests on the cardinal virtues and the moral imperative. To arrive there depends on the love of wisdom. That is, a mind rightly orientated towards the source of our being. The way is one of joy, which melodies singing in our heart with melodies singing in our hearts for the gift of music reunites us with the angelic worlds which minister to the soul's well-being the love of wisdom involves the fullness of the good of the intellect and that is why virgil is still dante's guide in the imagery of the early fathers, if the study of the book of Proverbs may save us from hell, the preacher of Ecclesiastes may help us to understand the vanities we have pursued in life and encourage us to chip off from the soul the dry mud of our vices. Our will, good intentions, moral courage, desire to understand, the effort required for profitable prayer, study, contemplation, are all symbolized by the relationship between Virgil and Dante. Dante is also saying that there is a difference between the lady philosophy of Boethius and Beatrice. His insight into his beloved's epiphany has matured since he gave up writing the Convivio. Philosophy may have led one to an understanding of Beatrice, but ultimately the grades of understanding that philosophy may supply may must be fulfilled through right theology. And here it is all important to remember that from an orthodox point of view, theology may not be separated from prayer, 
from spirituality. It is only the heresy of modernity that has made theology into an academic study, divorced from the inner life. Essential is the renewal of the personal encounter of the living God, radiating through the beloved as we may know her. The devotional and sacramental life, the partaking, the in-godding, have to flood our minds, bodies and souls. I am reminded of Thomas Traherne's prayer, O give thyself unto me, for without thee no gift at all can satisfy. And because thou thyself art the gift, O give me what thou art, that I may give thee what I am, and be made a partaker of the divine nature. This is what is signified by Virgil's sudden disappearance once Dante has regained the garden of earthly innocence at the top of the mountain. The fathers, as we have seen, symbolise this through the opening and the study of the Song of Songs, symbolised by the Paradiso. The mountain with its cornices Rise steep, rises steeply above the poets. I think of the ladder of steps rising from the hem of Boethius's lady philosophy's dress to the top of her garment, symbolically around her breasts. At the bottom of the ladder is the Greek letter P, and at the top of the, the letter Theta, signifying respectively practical and speculative philosophy. Practical philosophy implied the study of ethics, right living. Speculative philosophy was understood to be the study of metaphysics and theology. Thus it may be said that the love of wisdom, philosophy, leads to Beatrice, who fulfills all the aspirations of the mind leading them back to God. But before meeting Beatrice, much work has to be done climbing the cornices of the mountain. In the context of the imagery of St. Bernard of Clairvaux's commentary on the Song of Songs, and remember he is the saint who hymns the Virgin at the close of the, com of the Commedia and consequently a major teacher for Dante we may offer the following interpretation. Dante has totally abased himself and has embraced the Saviour's feet through acknowledging the hell within himself. On climbing Mount Purgatory, he will learn step by step how to kiss the Saviour's hands and to be then embraced by the Lord himself and through Beatrice he will learn the deep significance of the kiss of the lips. Thank you.